Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. You know, it's easy to appreciate God's greatness during uh, good times. It's easy to praise God when things are prosperous, when we have enough money in the bank. It's easy to appreciate God's greatness when your health is good, when your relationship with your spouse and with your children are, are running smoothly. But do we always recognize God's greatness? Even when we're facing life's uncertainties, can we praise God when financial when we're going through financial difficulties, when our health is failing, when the doctor walks in and gives us bad news? Well, there in your outline, we're going to read a story of David. Samuel chapter 22. It says, David left Gath and escaped to a cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and his fathers and his household heard about it, they went down to there, down to him there. And all those who were in distress or in debt or discontent gathered around him. And he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. Psalms 57. And I'll explain this in just a moment. It says, have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy. I look to you for protection. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes. You know, David wrote Psalms 57. And Psalms 57 is a psalm of praise. It's a psalm of deliverance. It's a psalm of worship. And David wrote this psalm in the most dangerous and trying times of his life. David is in a cave. And if you're familiar with the story of David and how he became king, the Bible says that Saul, who was the king of Israel, was out to get and to destroy David. Uh, He disobeyed God, and it was simply a matter of time uh, before Saul would have to give up his kingdom. Uh, But Saul didn't want to give up his kingdom, especially to this young man by the name of David. And so Saul was very jealous of David. As a matter of fact, there came a point in time where where the women would sing, Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his ten thousand. And Saul is out to kill and to destroy David. And David flees. He flees to a city called Gath. And if you're familiar with the story of Gath, you'll understand that that's where Goliath was born. It was a place that was so hostile to David that David had to escape from that city of Gath. And he finds refuge in an unlikely place, a cave, the cave of Adullam. And David has been brought to the absolute bottom of life. He is hurting and and he is broken and he is defeated and he is in a damp, dark, forsaken cave. And David 
has been cut off from his family. He's been cut off from his friends and his followers. And David is in a place where he had nothing but no one. He had nothing and no one but the Lord. It is said that David spent about three months in that cave alone. Not only did David write Psalms 57, but he wrote Psalms 147. And if you read Psalms 147, when you have time, David sits down and says how good it is to sing to the Lord. You see, there's nothing good about caves. Uh, They're dark and they're dry and they're dreary. There's spiders and there's snakes. And there's bats, and there's lions, and there's tigers, and bears. Oh my. Amen. There's nothing good about caves. And we find David in this cave. You see, I want to tell you that there are times when, when we too find ourselves in, 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 in one of those life cave experiences. Can I get an amen? amen? We think that all of our help and all of our strength is gone. And sometimes we feel abandoned. We feel discouraged. We feel deserted. Anybody ever been there? Sure you have. I I bet some of you are in that cave right now. Amen. In fact, some of you are in that cave right now. That cave of unhappiness. That cave of distress. You're unhappy with your relationship. You're unhappy with your life. You're unhappy with your marriage. You're unhappy with things that are taking place in your life. And like David, we are dwelling in one of those caves of life. And we often fail to see the hand of God in what we are facing. But I want to remind somebody this morning that God has not abandoned you and God has not forsaken you. Weeping may endure for a night, but I want to tell you that joy cometh in the morning. I said joy cometh in the morning. You see, God is not a praise. He is not a prayer away. The Bible says that God is present in the very time of trouble. Can someone say amen? You see, Saul, Satan is like Saul. He is out to kill and destroy us. The Bible says that he is like a roaring lion. But I want to remind you that he is not the roaring lion. Because there is only one lion and he is from the tribe of Judah. And his name is Jesus Christ. Can someone say amen? Saul is like, Saul is like Satan. He, he is out to destroy you. He's out to kill you. Amen. And if you find yourself in that cave, that cave of discontent, that cave of unhappiness, that cave of dissatisfaction, that cave of despair, like David, you can come to Christ and find refuge for your soul. I believe it's time that you come out of your cave. Turn around and tell your neighbor, come out of your cave. Come out of your cave. I don't know if you're going through that situation today. You find yourself in a cave of distress. You're unhappy with life. You're unhappy with the way the situations are going. But I want to tell you that it's time to come out of your cave. Look what what the psalmist wrote in Psalms 57.1. This is the key James Version. It says, I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings. You see, and you can write this down. David's cave was a cave for the discontent. David's cave was a cave for the discontent. But I want to tell you that Jesus Christ, his desire is to deliver you from such circumstances. Look at what Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 says, come unto me all that are, all ye that are labored and heavy burden and laden, and I will give you rest. 
And not only will Christ give you rest, but he will also sustain you through life. Look at when Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 says, take my yoke upon you and learn for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your soul. You see, in the middle of this cave, in the middle of this dark forsaken cave, David writes in Psalms 57, 5, be exalted, O God. Amen. Above all the heavens, let your glory be over all the earth. In the middle of that cave, in the middle of that dark place, he boldly commits to God and he says, I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the people. What I want to tell you this morning is that Proactive praise does something transformative in us. When we choose to praise God based on who he is, instead of what our circumstances are, good things begin to happen. Can someone say amen? Hallelujah. You see, there's a lot of things that the devil can handle, but he can't handle your praise. Come on, somebody. There's a lot of things that the devil can handle, but he can't handle your praise. And as a song says, this is how I fight my battles. Just ask, just ask, ask uh, um, uh, Paul and Silas. They were in the midst of a dark and dry, dreary cell. And when the sun painted a horizon in the morning, they were going to have their heads cut off. But what were they doing? Feeling sorry for themselves? Amen. Throwing a pity party? No. The Bible says that they were singing and praising God. And when they learned to praise and sing God in the midst of their circumstances, in the midst of their dark place, the Bible says that God shook that place, the cell doors opened, and Paul and Silas walked out of jail. Somebody needs to say amen. You see, true worship is not based on our circumstances on what our circumstances are, but on who our God is. And let me remind someone tonight that our circumstances will change, but I want to tell you that our God will never change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Can someone give God a hand, praise? It's time to step out of your cave. Hallelujah. You know, David entered that that cave in fear and he came out fearless. Why? Because God was sustaining him through those dark and dry and dreary days. Can someone say amen? Hallelujah. The next cave we see is the cave of Elijah. There in your outline. Then he came to a cave. And lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous of the Lord, the God of hosts. For the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left. And they seek my life to take it. Elijah's cave was a cave, and you can write this down, for the disillusioned or the depressed. Elijah had lost sight of God. If you read the story of Elijah, you'll know that Elijah had challenged the 450 false prophets of Baal. And Elijah said, whoever 
summons or whoever God rains down fire from heaven, he is the true and living God. And so the 450 prophets stand around an altar, but fire couldn't come down. Elijah mocked them and he said, all right, it's my turn. And, and Elijah gets up and he prays to God. And the Bible says that God rains down heaven from, God rains down fire from heaven. Destroys all the prophets. And so the Bible says that, that Ahab, who had been the, the most wicked king that Israel ever had, tells his wife Jezebel, and don't ever name your daughters Jezebel. Amen. Amen. It's just associated with wickedness. Amen. Praise God. No offense if there's anybody named Jezebel here. Praise God. But, but Ahab was a wicked king, and, and he tells his wife Jezebel, and, and Jezebel is out to kill and to destroy Elijah. And Elijah had become disillusioned. As a matter of fact, there came a time in, in Elijah's life where the Bible says that he is sitting under a juniper tree, and, and he's telling the Lord, Lord, just take my life. It's not worth living. Amen. So Elijah had lost sight of God and he had become disillusioned among the circumstances of life. And, and he flees because Jezebel is out to kill him. And so he is running and he goes to a mountain. And up in that mountain there is a cave. And there he is sitting in a cave. And I could imagine Elijah sitting there in a fetal position. Shaking with fear because Jezebel is out to destroy him. Praise God. Elijah thought that he was the only one who loved the Lord. He was in that cave feeling sorry for himself. And the Lord spoke to Elijah. And he told Elijah, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah gave a plethora of excuses. He says, well, Lord, I'm in here because I'm the last of the prophets. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody is with me. He is depressed. Amen. And there are some here who are in that cave of depression. Nobody said amen. Hello, is this mic on? Some of you are in that cave of depression. The devil has lied to you. He has told you that you will not amount to anything, that you are a nobody. But let me remind somebody this morning that the devil is a liar. Three people said so the devil is a liar. There is no truth in what the devil will whisper in your ear. And maybe you're like Elijah. You find yourself in that cave. You wonder how God will ever use you. You wonder if, you have, if he has forgotten about you. You wonder if you're the only one feeling this way. And if God cares about you anymore. Well, after this message is done, I want each of us to leave this house with the reassurance that God has not forgotten about you. That God cares about you more than what you you ever imagine somebody needs to give God a hand praise God hasn't forgotten about you I said God hasn't forgotten about you God hasn't forgotten about you turn around to your neighbor tell him God hasn't forgotten about you hallelujah God is still with us 
And then the Lord spoke to Elijah in the middle of that cave, in the middle of that deserted, dark cave. And he told Elijah, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah gave, gave all these excuses. But the Lord told Elijah, all right, Elijah. He says, go forth and stand upon the mountain of the Lord. In other words, God was telling Elijah, Elijah, get out of that cave in the MIV, the Manolo International Version. He tells Elijah, go forth. In other words, get out of that cave, Elijah. It's time that you step out of your cave. I said, it's time that you step out of your cave. And you know what the Lord did? The Lord set three spectacular sights for Elijah to see. The Bible says at first he sent wind and earthquake and then still a small voice to him. You see, what I'm trying to tell you this morning is had Elijah stayed in that cave, he would have missed what God had for him. All right. Maybe I need to tell this side. Had Elijah stayed in that cave, he would have missed what God had for him. All right, all right. Amen. Hallelujah. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that it's time for you to step out of your cave. Because if you remain in that cave of depression, if you may remain in that cave of disillusion, you're going to miss what God has for you. I said you're going to miss what God has for you. God has something special for your life. God wants to use you in a mighty way. But you need to step out of your cave. Because God is here this morning telling you, what are you doing in that cave? I am your God I am your Lord I saved you I purchased you and you are victorious in Jesus name can someone say amen come on somebody give God a hand praise Let me tell someone that you were never created to live depressed. Hello. You were never created to live defeated. You were never created to live condemned. You were never created to live ashamed. You were never created to live unworthy. You were created to live victorious. I said you were created to live victorious. You were created as a son and a child of God and it's time for you to step out of your cave because God has something for your marriage. God has something for your children. God has something to show you. God wants to reveal his glory upon your life but you need to step out of that cave and let God move so that the glory of God will move in your life. Can someone say amen? Hallelujah. Step out of your cave. Hallelujah. God used Elijah in such a powerful way. And if you read the, the, the story of Elijah, it's powerful. Amen. I read of Ahab too. But God used Elijah in such a powerful way. You heard the words from the Lord. He came out of that cave. It's time for you to come out of that cave. And let me tell you, you may have given up on yourself. You may have given up on yourself. But I want you to know that God hasn't given up on you. Come on, somebody. Your spouse may have, may have given up on you. Hey, your children may have given up on you. But let me remind you that God, that God has not given up on you. <laughs> he 
still loves you and he still cares for you. Can someone give God a hand praise? The next cave we see is is Lazarus cave. Look at there in your outline. That he came there to a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here? Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm reading the wrong one. All right. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her were also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. The Jews were saying, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind and have kept this man also from dying? So Jesus again, being deeply moved, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave. And a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, remove the stone. And Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you will always hear me. But because of the people standing around you, I said it, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And the man who had died came forth, bound and hand and foot with wrappings. And his face was wrapped around with clothes. And Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. Lazarus cave was a cave and you could write this down for the disbelieving. Jesus came to the tomb where Lazarus laid and he ordered someone to remove the stone. And Martha, which was the, 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 the sister of Lazarus, objected. She says, well, he's been here for four days and, and he smells. He stinks. There's a stench. As a matter of fact, there came a time where, where Martha had complained to Jesus. And she said, Jesus, if, if you would have been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. But, but, but Jesus said, Martha, don't you know that I am the resurrection and the life? And, and he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet he shall live. And maybe you're in that cave. Come on, somebody. Maybe you're in that cave of disbelief. You believe that God can't do anything for you anymore. You believe that this is the way it's always going to be. 
you're in that cave of disbelief. God can't do anything anymore for my situation or my circumstance or my trial. Uh, you're in a cave of disbelief. Uh, God can't do anything for my marriage. He, he can't do anything for my children. He can't do anything for my job. He, he can't do anything for my trials. He can't do anything for my circumstances. You see, Jesus didn't care what Lazarus looked like. Amen. And he doesn't care what you look like. Amen. <laughs> Jesus didn't care what Lazarus looked like. The state or the body. Or even if it wasn't smelling too great. He entered the cave anyway. And you see Jesus overlooked the stench and met Lazarus exactly where he was at. You see Jesus was willing to go to Lazarus. And let me tell you he's willing to come to us. He's willing to enter that dark cave. And to bring us back. To call us back to life. And let me tell you that each, each and every one of us have our own cave in which we're, we're not too proud of. Hello? All of us suffer from sin. And sometimes sin has a stench. But time and time again, Jesus enters our cave. And he calls us back to life. He calls us back to himself. Jesus wants to be with us no matter what. He wants us to be with us and to be with him. Praise God. And so Jesus stood up and he said, Lazarus, come forth. In the MIV, the Manolo International Version, what Jesus was saying is, Lazarus, come out of that cave. Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. Amen. You see, when Lazarus came forth, the voice of when the voice of the omnipotent speaks the dead respond and Jesus said Lazarus come forth and Lazarus came out of that cave uh, he couldn't walk no <laughs> he couldn't just walk out because as, as the King James Version says amen he was wrapped in grave clothes and so when Jesus said, Lazarus, come out, Lazarus came out. I know some of you might think I look like a bunny, a bunny rabbit, but I'm not. Uh, amen. I'm just trying to get you an image of what Lazarus was like. He was wrapped in grave clothes. And Jesus said, Lazarus came out. And Lazarus came out. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. Hallelujah. He couldn't just walk out of there because he was wrapped in grave clothes. And what I'm trying to tell you this morning is maybe you're wrapped in grave clothes this morning. You're wrapped in your past and you're wrapped in your, your past hurts and you're wrapped in your, your pain and, and you have unforgiveness. Well, Jesus is telling us this morning, loose him and let him go. It's time that you step out of that cave because God has something for you this morning. Can someone say amen? Lazarus came out of that cave, praise God, by the power of God. Hallelujah. The last cave we see is Jesus' cave. There in your outline. It says, and behold, 
Two of them were going that very day to the village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about the things which had taken place. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with him. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still looking sad. And one of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And when he said to them, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deeds and in words and in sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. The cave of Christ was a cave for the discouraged. The cave of Christ, and you can write this down, was a cave for the discouraged. You know, it was love that caused Christ to enter into that cave. And maybe this morning you are discouraged. You find yourself discouraged. You know, I read a story of discouragement. Discouragement is a, is a dangerous place for a believer to be. And I heard a story that it was announced that the devil was going out of business and that he would offer all his tools for sale to whomever would pay the price. And on the night of the sale, they were all attractively displayed and marked with a price. Even so, they were all looking bad-looking lot. There was malice and hatred and envy, deceit, jealousy and sensuality and all other implements of evil were spread out. And apart from the rest lay a harmless-looking shaped tool, much worn, priced higher than any others. And someone asked the devil, what is that? This is discouragement, the devil replied. But why do you have it priced so high? The prospective purchaser inquired. Because, said the devil, it is more useful to me than any others. I can pry open and get inside a man's soul with it. I can do this when I cannot get near him with any other tools I possess. Once I get inside his mind with discouragement, I can use him in whatever way suits me best. The reason this tool is so worn is, is that I can use it with nearly everyone. So very few know that it belongs to me. Discouragement is a very real thing. You know, the two disciples were on their way to Emmaus. And they were sad. Because Jesus Christ had died. And Emmaus, from Jerusalem to Emmaus, was a seven-mile mile walk, which was about two hours. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. Amen. He had rose from the dead. And let me tell you that, 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 
that the death of Jesus proves that he was man, but the resurrection proves that he was God. Come on, somebody. He had already risen from the dead. And these two men are walking on their way to Emmaus. And they are sad. And they are dreary. And they don't know what to do. And they are discouraged. It's kind of like when, when, when Mary Magdalene comes to, to the tomb and sees that the stone has been rolled away. And she asks, hey man, what happened here? And, and she says, what are you looking for? Because she was sad because Jesus had died. And maybe you're in that cave of discouragement. Well, you don't have to be in that cage of discouragement anymore because let me remind you that Jesus is not dead Jesus is alive only three said amen Jesus is not dead Jesus is alive hallelujah and these two men are walking to Emmaus and they are sad and they are dreary because Jesus had just died but Jesus teaches them from Malachi from Genesis all the way to Malachi so much so that the Bible says that one of those disciples had holy heartburn brother Steve amen Jesus preached to them praise God well I want to tell you something and I'm on the subject I might as well go ahead and consume if you are sad this morning, if you are in that cave, amen, I want to tell you that you serve a dead God. But I want to tell you that my God is not dead. My God is alive, hallelujah. And if you are discouraged, amen, if you are defeated, if you are unhappy, I believe it's time for you to step out of your cave because the God that we serve is not dead. Our God that we serve is alive and he lives forevermore, but he, he lives in my heart. Can someone give God a hand? Praise. Jesus Christ was declared the son of God by the resurrection. We don't need to be discouraged, my friend. Jesus Christ is alive. It's time to step out of your cave. It's time to step out of your cave. Jesus is alive. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go... We want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.